Welcome to the Hats All We Know podcast. We're your hosts, Chris and David. If this is your first time with us, welcome. We'll just go through four random facts that we each found interesting throughout the week. And occasionally, we do themed weeks, more than occasionally recently. But we're two giant sports nerds, so we need to do sports episodes occasionally. So this week, it's a sports episode. We do have a rule, though. We try to avoid the National Football League, NFL, and Major League Baseball, MLB questions, because we're too obsessed with those two sports. We'll start off with a hat fact, as we do every week. David, what is our hat sports fact? I'm sorry. There was no warning to that. You didn't even ask if I was ready for this. You just went straight into it. Where? Yeah. I'm, I'm used to, are you ready? A little bit of preparing instead of just staring at me and then going, welcome to the Hats All We Know podcast. I gotta keep you on your toes. I'm standing. I'm literally, I'm more on my toes than you are. Are you on your tippy toes? Yes, it's just you can't, I'm short. So keeping that intro in mind, this week I thought I'd talk about helmets, specifically concussions, because, you know, he said we tried to stay away from the NFL. And as we established last week, I probably had at least two concussions when I played football in high school. Right. So a big thing in sports in general, but particularly the NFL, is avoiding concussions. And by the way, yes, I do consider helmets to be hats. I have a very broad definition of hats, not just so that this podcast can still have legs, but also just I consider anything that's a head covering to be a hat. I'd say it's bold you think the NFL cares about concussions. No, they they care about the sponsorship money and the sponsors. It's better PR if they care about money. Sorry, it's better PR if they care about concussions. Yeah. I had a uh, capitalism slip there, my bad. But anyway, talking about concussions, there is one company that makes... Rydell. Rydell is one company, you have you knew it. How did you know? I was thinking of a company and you, you named it. Named one helmet. So this one's actually a company that makes a little insert that goes inside helmets. Don't know that one. It's called MIPS. MIPS? Decent name. What do you think MIPS either stands for or what do you think the little insert does to help prevent concussions? Concussions. Oh, I was gonna, I was more prepared to guess what it's made of. I was gonna say leather, but it's basically plastic. Oh, I mean, so for what it does, it has to, it's going to basically take the force of the hit to the helmet and just kind of like spread it out. So it's not focused on one part of your brain. Oh, so kind of like if you were like shoot an arrow at a piece of armor that's rounded, it kind of deflects it throughout the armor. Yeah. No. So that is how helmets have traditionally been made is the test in the NFL to determine whether a helmet is good. Again, I'm going with the NFL just because when you name concussions, the NFL is probably the first thing that pops to your mind. Well, rugby doesn't have that issue because they don't use their head to tackle. They use their shoulders like you're supposed to. No, they just have compound fractures in in their sport. That's fine. That's better than concussions. You can come back from a compound fracture. Concussions have a longer lasting impact. I mean, you're a grad student. Yeah, it does have a longer lasting impact. You you pick to be a grad student. So the the test in the NFL is they basically just take a battering ram, put the helmet next to the battering ram, and just straight force straight into the the helmet. (laughs) And if it doesn't break, check. Put that on dude's head. I'd like to say there's a lot more like that that's an oversimplification, but it's not too much of an oversimplification. However, multiple studies, there's an interesting one that shows different forces of impact on helmets and kind of the brain injuries that come from them. CTE. CTE is a popular one. More acronyms than I can keep track of, honestly. Anyway, I'll put the link to the, the article in the description, but a lot of research has found that rotational motion is actually a large factor in terms of brain injuries. Okay. So instead of taking a battering ram and just straight to the side of the 
helmet. What if, say, you're tackling somebody, your head is, you know, down or up or whatever, and your head tries to rotate? Your neck hurts. Right, but your neck can only go so far, and they've actually found that it's more conducive to brain injuries than just a straight impact. So, like, MIPS technology, I know about it because I worked in a bike shop, and we had to wear a button for a while that said, ask me about MIPS, and so I asked somebody I worked with, okay, what what are these buttons? What is MIPS? And they were like, hey, you don't need to know. Nobody will ask you. And if you do, just make up something. To be fair, in a bike shop, I don't think anyone's going to ask you. Yeah, that company's also bankrupt and out of business now, so weird. Well, that's because they don't have, they're not MIPS. They don't have a contract with uh, the NFL. MIPS does not have a contract with the NFL, actually. The company that had a contract with the NFL is out of business. They got bought by another company. They were a startup in Seattle. They were called Vicus, which is a Latin noun for change. Okay. But anyway, back to, to MIPS. What it does is a little like plastic protective shell inside the helmet and it allows your helmet to rotate 10 to 15 millimeters. That's a decent amount for a helmet. Exactly. So the idea is that it's still on your head. It's still protecting you. But when you hit the ground, it allows you to your helmet to kind of rotate instead of your head rotating. Yeah. You're still going to have the same force of impact, but that way it's a more lateral impact, which again, lateral impacts are the ones that are not great, but better for your brain. And that's because when you have the rotation, your brain either way is going to hit against your skull. And if it's rotating, you're going to have a shearing force in your brain. Fun fact, if you were to take your, your hand okay put it on a table and try to move it working on it yeah it's kind of sticky and that tries to move you feel that like stretching in your hand yeah that's what your brain does when it's the rotational movement ah that's why i had a headache for a week okay yeah probably so it's not great because your brain is mostly water so it's not going to compress easily but it's like a gel so it's gonna there's gonna be a large shearing force which isn't great for your brain but mips is used in helmets for bikes rock climbing snowboarding skiing motocross construction helmets can't help but notice football helmets wasn't on that list. No, hockey is though. They're in hockey helmets. I'll be honest, if the puck's coming at you at 100 miles an hour, I don't know if your helmet turning is going to help you help your head much. It's more for crashes for hockey, like when you crash against the ice. So when you get cronwalled, okay. Yeah. The NFL, there have been multiple articles talking about, is MIPS going to be incorporated into NFL helmets? And it seems as though the company is open to the idea. And the NFL is no. Well, the NFL has a partnership with GE and Under Armour, and they partnered with, again, Vicus, the other company, and the Zero One and the actually just announced this month Zero Two helmet. Ooh, clever naming there. I know, right? Hey, when you put that much effort into trying to not get concussions, you've probably gotten a couple yourself. Honestly, the fact that they knew how to count from one to two, I feel like they're doing well. Fair. I'm going to quickly guess what MIPS stands for. Okay. M-I-P-S, I assume. Yes, M-I-P-S. Yes. Okay. Minimal instant pressure sensor. Based on the fact that you're now typing and Googling, I feel like you don't know what MIPS stands for. Again, they told me to just make up something at the bike shop. I know what it does and I know how it works. I just never thought to look up what it what it means. But no, multi-directional impact protection system. Oh, I was not even close. It was created in 2001, the Royal Institute of Technology in Stockholm, Sweden. Why why Sweden doing this? I believe it was for snow, like snowboarding skiing. Okay. I mean, I'll trust it. It's... It's Sweden. They don't do much else in there, right? They aren't aren't they make pocket knives? Oh no, that's Swiss. Never mind. They have a really basic like looking flag, which is really nice because flags that are way too complicated aren't easy to remember. And as a kid, I tried to draw every country's flag, and let me tell you, I loved the European countries in terms of drawing them. When I got towards like Peru, where I had to draw a seal, and it's a different seal on either side, that's rough. I'm talking about head trauma and concussions. Oh, was that what we were talking about? Sorry. Roughly, yeah. I couldn't remember. We'll move on to talking about another sport 
That involves head trauma. Rugby. No, rugby's good. I said that. Boxing. Are you telling me that there's no head trauma in rugby? There's a little bit, but it's it's not as bad. That's fair. They found like 99% of all former players they looked at in the NFL had some sort of serious brain injury when they died, which that 1% was the kickers. I'm pretty sure. It, that number is technically a little skewed because they did study just the players' brains who we, we thought had it. Right. But also the 1% is definitely the kickers. So boxing, but a specific division of boxing. There are divisions? Chess boxing. Okay, I know that division. Oh, there's actually a lot of weight divisions. This is actually totally separate from boxing. It has a different world governing organization and everything, but had to bring it in somehow. I only know like two boxers. Really? Muhammad Ali and Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather. Got Manny Pacquiao. Oh, right. That was a that was a thing. George Foreman. The grill guy? Yeah, he was a boxer. Oh. Oh, wait, he's the guy that bit somebody's ear off, right? No, that was Mike Tyson. Okay. You can tell that I I, I know this area of sports very well. More recently, you have, you know, YouTuber uh, Jake Paul. Nope, you, you've already lost me on you have YouTuber. We're done. So chess boxing, they alternate rounds between playing chess and boxing with a minute break in between. That minute break is key. Well, you have to change into boxing gear. You got to get gloves on. <laughs> Wait, you're telling me that they don't try to play chess with the boxing gloves on? They do not, no. Did they use a magnetic board? Because I feel like that's a very important thing of like, you got to move the chess board on probably quickly. So like you would probably want a magnetic board in pieces. I'm sure they have. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Sorry. So there's three divisions in chess boxing. Well, there's three weight divisions as well, but light, middle and heavy. They got real creative with that one. That's almost like as good as zero one and zero two. Yeah, there's three divisions, professional, amateur, and for some reason, urban. Okay, what is urban? Urban is like you're a trainee. What? Like you just decide you want to pick up chess boxing. So you're literally learning like chess or boxing. Why is it called urban? I don't know. Probably because this started in like Finland. Does urban mean something different in Finland? Either way, none of those are actually my question. So there's 37 professional chess boxers in the world. What is the minimum requirement to become a professional chess boxer? You have to have a minimum rating in chess and a minimum number of fights. Okay, the minimum rating in chess, I figured. I did not know the minimum number of fights, but I want to go back to 37. Did they have like a three-way match at some point? No, two. Then how do they all like play each other? They don't happen very often. And a few of them actually are just really good at chess and have won chess tournaments. Oh, so they're like grandmasters that technically have the right number of fights and they just kind of try to hold off the guy. Like the, the founder, that's what he did is he was like, I'm much better at chess than the guy I was facing. He's very good at boxing. So I just kind of tried to stay alive until we could get to chess. The the founder, uh, Lipe Rubino, I think he won the first fight in the 11th round and the last round when his opponent ran out of time in chess. So he didn't even checkmate him. He was getting destroyed in boxing. And he was saying that uh, he was like, well, the other guy had more time, probably could have beat me. Or if there was another round of boxing, he probably could have beat me. But I knew I was better at chess. So I just tried to stay around alive in that 10th round. Yeah. So he just tried to, you know, Floyd Mayweather it. Floyd Mayweather, undefeated boxer, doesn't really attack often. He's a great defensive boxer and just will wear you down coming after him and can counter like no other. Ah, good to know. Yeah. Again, I don't, I actually, this may surprise you. Boxing is not a thing that I watch often. I don't either. Uh, so I, I didn't, I don't really know much about boxing, but I'm assuming the number of fights is probably like 25. Okay. Just because that feels like it's enough boxing matches that it keeps away people that are grandmasters in chess, but you know, aren't the best at chess. And so they try to see if they could be the best at another sport. And you also figure out if in 25 matches, if you can last a full boxing match first, because I feel like that's a major thing of like, do you have the stamina and 
ability to get hit in the face enough. Yeah, well, in boxing, half the time you're not getting hit in the face. It's more body shots that will hurt you throughout the fight. But that's what the gloves are for, right? Not to protect hands, but to protect faces. Because hands are used to hitting things, but faces are not used to getting hit. It's actually higher than 25 fights. Okay, is it like 100? Because that seems excessive. It's way lower than that. Okay, so in chess, I like their rating system a lot. Of You start off at 1,200, and then as you win, you get more points based off of your opponent's point number. A lot of other things use that, like Magic the Gathering, the card game. But I'm assuming if you get, I think 15 to 1,800 is like, you can, you know enough about chess that you're starting to learn strategies and such and able to implement them. So I'm guessing it's going to be 1800. That is 1800 is the minimum chess. Yeah, because I I think 1500 is typically you know the game of chess well and 1800 is you're able to implement strategies and think ahead, which I feel like is something that they want to not make the chess boxing matches boring because I imagine when you're there, you're not typically there to watch chess and boxing. You probably like one better. And if you like boxing better, it's probably not a lot of fun to just see one guy get destroyed at chess first. Eh, might be. That's fair. So 25 is too low, 100 is too large. 40. Yeah, that that does not count as you guessing right. You had uh, 25 and 100 as a guess, so. Hey, I'll take a half point on that. You know what? I should really tally up uh, how often either of us have gotten questions right. So for Urban, there's no requirements. Like, we could go be an Urban chess boxer if we want. Why does this sound so fun? I don't even know if we can in the United States, but... Why not? Are there rules against boxing? Or are there rules against chess in the U.S.? No, it's more there's only 37 pros. It's not very popular in the United States, as chess isn't, though. Chess did just start selling out chess boards because of Netflix and the Queen's Gambit. If you haven't seen the Queen's Gambit on Netflix yet, pretty good. Get your friend's password and watch it. It's it's very good. And it's based off of a real real thing. Maybe. Loosely. Right. But I, I find it really funny that a guy it's actually theoretically based off of. It's very ironic. Yeah. Because he was a misogynist and thought that women didn't have the mental capacity to play chess. And so I love that Netflix made a story semi-based off of his life with starring a woman being very good at chess. Queen's Gambit's actually based on a book based on the same title, 1883. I have not read the book. Me neither. We've established plenty of times I don't read. I'm still trying to get through my book on salt. It's very dry. Boo. I'm liking it, though. So you want you? Do you want to try to become a professional chess boxer? I'm actually not against it. You get an 1800 chess rating. You'd be in the late, the lightweight division, I would assume. I don't know the cutoffs, but yeah, I'm about 135, so I'm assuming that's lightweight. Ooh, that might be on the edge to middle. I might be lower end of middle. I might need to cut a little weight. I mean, I probably should anyway. But when I entered high school, I was 85 pounds. The wrestling coach looked at me and went, "I mean, you can be a state champion if you want to be. Please join the wrestling team." I just got the track coach trying to talk to me constantly. I joined track. It did not work out well. I refused because that wasn't going to be the reason why I didn't play football. It's because I wasn't fast enough. It was because I wasn't big enough. Not being strong and big enough, I can relate to. However, you are much stronger and bigger than me. I probably would not have been playing the same position as you as you were tight end slash lineman slash defensive lineman. Tight end on defense, I was like a linebacker corner hybrid. Right. And for me, I probably would have been a safety. Yes. So I did play chess against somebody that was actually good at it. When I played against them, they were like, hey, you'd probably be rated about 15, 1600 if you were to play enough to get a rating. So I only, I don't have that far to go to get to 18. I mean, I actually have to like play in order to get the rating, but... That last 200 could also be really hard because you'd have to win. To do that, you would probably have to read the, the chess books and the strategy and everything. And This may surprise you, but you know that whole boom of chess and chess.com having more accounts signing up than ever, and yeah, I was one of those people, for sure. Have you played yet? Yeah. 
turns out they were being a little bit optimistic on on chess.com i'm i'm 1100 rated oh i'm never gonna join that i'm terrible at it you start at 1200 I, i might be lower than you if i were to join Well, you want to move on to the uh, third fact of the week? Yeah, I just want to say first that, like, I don't know if you were joking about wanting to figure out how to do chess boxing, but, like, I'm actually down. I think my head's taken enough trauma. Well, transferring off of that, a sport that I currently very much enjoy and play competitively is one of my favorite sports to play competitively. So, since, obviously, I live with you, the sport you play competitively is disc golf. There are divisions as well. There are three amateur divisions. Rec, Intermediate, and Advanced, and then Professional. You can get money if you win. In Amateur, you just get, like, vouchers for more discs. You get the glory. You do, and you you get a sense of pride, I've been told, because I keep playing in Advanced, even though I probably should be playing in Intermediate, because Intermediate is, the I is for inconsistent. You, You know how to play, and you're not bad. But you can't seem to string together what you think you should be able to do. And that's definitely me. Uh, you have to figure out how to putt from more than five feet away. I assume for me that means I need to learn how to throw the disc so it doesn't fade to the left. Or figure out how to use that to your advantage. Okay, so let me explain what disc golf is. So disc golf, or frisbee golf, is you essentially take frisbees that are a lot smaller, do different things. So there are drivers which are very thin, and they cut through the air easily, but it's harder to throw them accurately. You have mid-ranges, which, you know, are mid-range. They're in the middle between putters and drivers. And then you have putters, which are, they kind of look like frisbees with like the rounded edge, and they're made for more for accuracy than for distance. And the idea is to, like golf, you want to throw discs the least number of times, and get them in the basket. Anyway, it is the fastest growing sport in the world. That's a low bar, though. It is. However, we cleared it, I think. I feel like you made it and then cleared it. It does feel like one of those those facts of, like, this is the first time ever on a Wednesday where the rain is falling at precisely four drops per second in December that this has happened. Because didn't say the biggest, the fastest growing. And with the pandemic, oh boy, has it been growing. But there are courses on all seven continents. How many courses are there in the world, do you think? And this is going to be a round ballpark number. I'm sorry, there's a course in Antarctica? So there's a course in Antarctica. It's on Ross Island, Antarctica. Sure. It's the last, essentially, rocks before you get to the ice. So it's like a staging point. Okay. It's a nine-hole disc golf course. And there's a website called UDisc that has really standardized a lot of around disc golf. And one day, what apparently what's happening was they were looking through the applications for people saying that there's a course here, please add this to your app. And in 2017, somebody added a course in Antarctica, and they had the same reaction you did, basically. Wait, what? There are penguins playing disc golf, which I'd love to see. Me too. And so they're talking about how there's a course on Antarctica, which I think is fantastic. It says, Cold Windy Plays Through McMurdo Station Shipping Yard. That's the description on the app. Same, sir. So based on there being a course in Antarctica... Yep. I'm going to go with 25,647. Okay. You're about a little over double too high. Ah, damn it. I was going to say like 7,000, but that seemed low. So there are about 8,000 courses in the U.S. alone. Right. So if I'm double too high and there's a course, there's like nothing in the rest of the world if there's only like 12,000. 11,400 courses about. Ah, so the potheads wanted to a sport to play that's why it's popular in the u.s got it not everyone that plays disc golf is a pothead 
there are enough people that play disc golf that smoke weed that it is associated with each other. And during the disc golf championships on ESPN that they were broadcasting, there was a commercial for the, the usual commercials of don't drink and drive, like think before you do it. They had one for smoking weed of don't smoke and drive. They know their target audience. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say they knew their target audience very well. Every time we've gone disc golfing, I'm pretty sure I've smelled marijuana on the course. Again, not everybody. Well, not us. A large enough vocal percentage when they at one point were saying, maybe we should start doing drug tests since we're becoming a legitimate sport. All of the pros went, trust me, you don't want to do that. Hey, NBA is not penalizing for marijuana anymore either. Again, I'm good with it. It's also legal in like 36 states. So Right. Like, I do understand that it, there are some substances that while legal, maybe you don't want to have in your sport because of adverse effects. But as someone described to me once, marijuana doesn't have a ton of adverse uh, effects besides making you boring to be around while you're smoking. You can tell how much I smoke. I can't. I'll trust you on that. I also I have no idea. But anyway, there's about 11,300 courses, and that's as of November 2020. Okay. The last time it was counted in May of 2017, there were about 6,800. That's decent growth, but for that's not really growing a crazy amount for the rest of the world because I feel like a decent amount of those are in the U.S. Yeah, well, it's 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 more of a exponential curve at this point. So I believe we're on 135,000 members of the Professional Disc Golf Association, which is the governing body, world governing body for disc golf, both amateurs and professionals. You get a number associated when you sign up. I signed up in 2016 and we were at 61,000. Okay. And four years later, we had hit 100,000. So very exponential. Considering I can't throw a Frisbee, I will never be signing up. I mean, theoretically, rec, there is a vision. Uh, and you do have ratings associated with it. There's a lot of debate as to whether the ratings actually mean anything because either the ratings aren't great as is in terms of people that are rated, say, 850, don't have the skill set that the website says you should have at that level, or they do the ratings poorly because you can have two people rated at the same rating that are vastly different, even though both of them have been playing for a while and accrued the rating over a long period of time. Yeah, I'll go a little little bit of here, a little bit of there. Right. I mean, like, you, you could play. I really shouldn't. I mean, I, I was going to say the best thing about disc golf is that you don't have to play competitively. Basically, you just hike through woods and throw a piece of plastic every now and then. If you're bad at it, you get to play the game more. Like, that's all that it is. You have to really wear out the elbow more, though. That's going to be painful the next day. Okay, if you want, I can teach you how to throw properly. And when you throw properly, you're using your back, your chest, and, you know, your entire arm instead of just take elbow, pull it in, take elbow, extend it very fast, and let go. Like, that's not the best form. I don't know how much the form's the issue more of the elbow's barely attached to the upper part of the body, so. Why? What did you do? When I was weightlifting in high school, I was lifting a weight on a machine and something popped in it and it just completely fell. Did you ever get it looked at or were you just kind of like, ah, it's like a concussion. I don't need to get this looked at. No, for the next, like, it was on like a Thursday. So I think like that Friday in the weekend at my house, I was just sitting with like, like you have a broken collarbone. Like I wasn't bending my elbow. Okay. Most people would feel that and go, you know what? Maybe I should get this looked at by a professional. I was going into my senior year and I was pretty sure it's probably a torn ligament or something at this point. If I, I literally heard it pop, so I figured that'd take me out for my senior year of football and I didn't want that. Okay, well, I think we can both agree, maybe not the smartest strategy long term. I do understand that thinking. Did you at least get it looked at after the season to like confirm and see if there's anything you could do to fix it? No, I still don't actually know what's wrong with it. It's never been looked at by a doctor because <laughs> I looked up like, is it worth getting? And it was like, if it's more than six months since the torn ligament, it's, it's pointless. <laughs> so I'm like, well, 
What's the point? Chris, what? Come on. Dude, like, really? It's fine. I guess. But one quick thing to end with, I guess, then. Going back to disc golf and not taking care of your body poorly, or rather, not taking care of your body, as it were. The country with the most disc golf courses per capita. Croatia. No, you're on the right line. It is a country that was in the... 2016 World Cup in Europe. Iceland. Iceland. The best part is there's an article on UDisc talking about it, and they said, quote, it's nice to be able to write good news about something erupting in Iceland. Fair. Yeah, that's very fair. I, I love, I, I just love that line. But yeah, Iceland has the most disc golf courses per capita, and they're pretty much all on essentially the exterior of the island. Makes sense. It's not much in the middle. Yeah. It's kind of like Australia in that purpose. So from uh, a reference to volcanoes erupting in Iceland, what are we going to be erupting in Iceland now? We're not erupting anything in Iceland, but you might erupt in celebration if you win. I don't I don't know how to feel about where this is going. You might erupt in celebration if you win the Wife Carrying Championship. Ooh, okay. And what does this eruption look like? You're probably just jumping up and down with your, with your arms in the air. Uh, it's your wife also, in quotation marks. Okay, can you explain that, please? It doesn't have to be your own wife. It can be uh, pretty much any female. In the wife carrying championships, you can pick a random woman to propose to for the length of the race. Don't we have to propose to? Okay, this is just a misleading, misleading game then. You also can't pick any random person. There is a minimum weight requirement that the wife must weigh. What is the minimum weight requirement that the wife must weigh in the wife carrying championship? Really? This is the question you're going to ask me? This is all right. Yep, I have it in kilograms and pounds. Well, what country is this in? Well, the United States has a championship. The main country, that's why I said Finland earlier, happens in Finland. Oh, oh, so Finland was your theme as well today. Chess boxing and wife carrying. I think chess boxing didn't actually start in Finland. I think I was mistaken there. Yeah, the first match was in Amsterdam. Yeah, oh, right, because he challenged his, he challenged his buddy. He was like, you want to fight? And then they did, which words that will always start a fight. Want to fight? I guess there's technically two requirements for your wife. There's this minimum weight and they have to be 17 years old. Okay, so we can't, we can apparently marry underage people, but not too underage. It depends on the laws in the country. Okay, I'm going to go with kilograms because I don't know the conversion easily. Okay. 75 kilograms. Jesus. What? I think that's like 170 pounds. I thought that was like, what, 2.2 times 75 is... 165 pounds shockingly it is much lower than that okay um see i don't know i don't know kilograms so we're good okay i i'm here with 135 pounds still actually a little bit lower so it's 49 kilograms or 108 pounds i feel like it's 49 kilograms and then they just did the conversion into pounds like yes um also if your wife is actually below this weight they have to hold sacks until they're this weight i i, I enjoy that do they put that on their backs or do you get to choose where you distribute the weight because that feels like it could be a competitive advantage well, they have to hold it. The wife has to hold it. You can decide how you want your wife on you, like you're carrying them. Oh, so it's not just piggyback races? No. Like you can fireman carry, I, which I imagine is the one most people do? You can. However, there are. it's an obstacle course. It's like a 435 meter obstacle course. Okay, you forgot to mention this part. So they're carrying their wife or not wife who is over or under age on their back or shoulder or however they want to be carrying them through an obstacle course? Yeah, and, like, sometimes it's, you have to, you know, like, go through water that can be up to, like, your neck. So you're probably not going to want them, like, you're not going to want their head too low. Right, because 
you probably don't want them to drown. Also, just from a competitive standpoint, you probably don't want them to get waterlogged in terms of like their clothes getting wet. Yeah. I mean, also, you might care about them as a person, but I just mean from a competitive advantage. The winning time in 2012 was one minute and 46 seconds. And how long is this race? It's like 400 meters. And what what are the obstacles? Changes. Okay. Is it ever like you have to go up a rope wall? No. Like it's, it's always possible to do while carrying. Okay. And it's all ground level stuff, I imagine. Yeah, for the most part. Is it? Is there ever like a barbed wire? fence no okay okay so it is like a small hurdle or something you have to go around yeah it's nothing like too crazy okay so this is supposedly rooted in the legend of ronkinen the robber who is a gang leader who hazed potential members by making them carry sacks or live pigs over a type of obstacle course so over time we've evolved pigs to mean your wife uh it actually gets better his gang was actually known for they would steal women from neighboring villages so many of these competitors much like what we've watched on tv with the red bull races soapbox races there's like a performance beforehand okay many of the competitors will quote steal one of their friends' wives and run the course with her. Oh, so these are done one at a time? Yeah. Okay. I'm just imagining just a field of like 500 people. No, it's, yeah, it's one at a time. And if you win, the prize for winning? Lifetime beer. Not even close to lifetime beer. It is related to beer. You get your wife's weight in beer. Do you each get it or do you split it? I think you split it. So at minimum, it's 108 pounds of beer. I'd rather not. That's a lot. Because with the bubbles, I imagine beer is slightly less dense than water. I have no idea. Probably, yes. I'm, I'm just imagining, so like, you know how water is density of one, I'm just imagining how large of a tub that is of beer. Do you think it's just the beer, or do you think like the package, like the can counts against you? Oh, if it's probably going to be the package and stuff counts as well. Yeah, that's true. So that's probably about like, especially when it's a tub, that's probably going to be about, I don't know, 30 pounds? That feels a bit high, but also that's just a ton of beer. Yes. But I do have a question. So when you say your wife's weight in beer, and when you say that if your quote-unquote wife is under the weight limit that they carry a sack? Yeah. Does are, Is the sack included? I assume the sack will be included. Okay, so that feels like a competitive advantage then, that if your wife or partner, I guess, weighs less than the limit, then you can redistribute the weight as you run to help you better, you know, overcome the obstacle because your wife's carrying it, but they can still redistribute the weight to try to help you out. And at that point, like, you could probably get through the course faster with a heavier weight than you would be able to if, you know, the weight wasn't able to be redistributed easily. But if you're, if you don't weigh that much, you, your wife not might not have, like, the arm strength to carry, to, like, hold the extra weight the whole time. And if you do drop, I'm assuming either the weight or your wife, it's a 50 15 second time penalty. Oof. I feel like one of those is more important uh, and probably more of a penalty. Of how could you drop me? I was trying to win beer. That's how. I feel like that is how those conversations go. Do you get to choose the beer or is it just the sponsor? I assume of the brewery. I assume it's just going to be the sponsor. So if you win like the US one, you probably get like Budweiser. Isn't that just like pea water? Bud Light is. Budweiser is eh. I mean, I would prefer my go-to cheap beer is Miller Light. Again, I've heard that's like pea water. Well, every cheap beer could be, um, but Miller Light isn't horrible. Okay. Coors Light is okay. I just remember the person coming to the the trivia with like the little Dixie cups, and they were like, "All right, drink A and drink B. Now tell me which one has more flavor." And drank both of them. I was like, "Okay, more or better?" And they just glared at me for a good thirty seconds. Wasn't it like Miller or Bud Light? Yeah, because those were two different answers. One of these has more taste, but it's horrible. And they were like, more. Bud Light's terrible. Yeah, I was like, that's... More doesn't mean better. Uh, thank you for listening to our sports episode. 
of the Hats That We Know podcast, uh, back by popular demand. And I, I do mean that, but hopefully you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't enjoy the sports episode... We understand. We do get a little bit too much into sports, uh, particularly with how this started off going to the NFL and sports that we know very, very well. It probably got sidetracked very easily. Oh, it did. But if you didn't like this one, that's fine. Share it with your enemies, whether or not they like sports. And if you did enjoy it, you can follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Hats All We Know. I think that's everything to wrap it up here, except and now... If you decide that any of these sports are things that you would like to enjoy and try out, go for it. We will put links in the description as to where to get more information about these sports. However, if you uh, decide to do wife carrying and you drop your wife, just apologize and say, sorry, I'll make you a beer. I'll be right back. Have fun.